Welcome to Stuck at Home with Cliff Dorfman and Jason Smith. Here are your hosts, Jason Smith and Cliff Dorfman. Huzzah! Hello. Welcome to a new episode of Stuck at Home with me, Cliff Dorfman, and... Me, Jason Smith! This, this, yeah, that sounded like, uh, let's get Skittles on the air. Like, that sounded like Mortal Kombat. <laughs> I just felt like it's... I just felt like getting big with it. Punch, punch, <laughs> Jason. <laughs> By the way, I still, you got to keep this look. It's great. Thanks. You, I, you know what? I, I would just keep doing it. I was admiring myself in the screen, yeah. like while you were As gone. You I, I, I was, I was setting up some stuff. I was getting all the, you know, couple of the, you know, the pages already. And I looked at myself and I was like, damn, Jay, you look pretty good. You look like you could, uh, you look like you could, uh, hang vanilla ice off the side of a porch, try to get his, uh, the right to his music back. <laughs> the white should night. I'm the white should night. Yeah, that's right. You're like that's the right. antithesis. Remember when the Seinfeld when they did the parallel Jerry yeah. friends? Yeah, like the opposite version of should night. Yeah, you're like, like hey, vanilla cool. ice. <laughs> Listen, I really like the publishing. You think you could? I could have. Yeah. Let's hang out on. Let's hang out on the uh, on your deck and do it like just nicely. I'll like some pork and. Some mac and cheese, and you come over and use the the inflatable pool. And we'll just sign some contracts. Exactly. That's, yeah, that's that's the antithesis. All right. Hey, first of all, Nancy is here uh, uh, again. So hi, Nancy. She said hi, guys. What did she say? Don't know what I'm going to do when school is back in session. I'll miss the lives. Well, listen. What did she say? I'll miss the lives. The lives. Oh, you see, the that's lives. the problem with that word. I've often thought about that. And backwards, it spells evil. Uh, well, you know. Um, stupid, uh, stupid aside about this. Um, remember Guns N' Roses had an album live, uh, like a suicide. Yeah. I thought that was live for a long time. And my friend had to remind me. Why wouldn't that, you <laughs> live? But like? Why a wouldn't you Yeah, live like a suicide? By the way, I kind of like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I, I don't mind that for a Guns N' Roses, but why wouldn't you? It's a weird word. This is the problem with the English language and I love it, but it's a problem. Yeah. Live and live evil, live live evil, live mm-hmm. alive. Um, well, Nancy, don't worry. We're going to keep doing the show at 3.30. Yeah. You can catch some of it. We'll make sure to save the best parts for when you get done with school. And secondly, <laughs> we always have this thing live. It might not be live, but we'll have the videos out there. And, um, and we'll also be able to have the podcast out there. So we're, we're going to keep this thing going. We're, we're, we don't plan on stopping just because uh, we're not quite as stuck at home. But we, we, we are gonna, we're going to keep this show as a part of our regular rotation for the next i don't know three to ten years so you won't miss a thing thank god okay i was that's news to me too so thank you jason yeah no i i knew we were doing this listen we have too much fun doing it to stop i mean if this wasn't fun there's no reason jason does this in, in a trillion years this yeah. guy is so busy you have no idea what he does on a daily basis today i learned how to make tiktoks i'm that's making tiktoks now that's a thing i do not with me as the face obviously but i well, i'm learning to make the tick and the talks by the way, this is a real thing. This used to be Musical.ly. Now it's TikTok. It's the same freaking thing. And it's not any different except now it's popular because it's TikTok. I don't, I don't get it, but I'm all, I'm all for it. Well, it, was, it was Vine before. This is all like the Vine people. They just get a longer version of that, those Vines. So my daughter loves them. So we're actually working on one for this show. We're working on it for a few other shows, including a true crime show where... Um, yeah, it's, but it's fun. I'm learning a lot. I'm learning how those things get made. There's a lot more to it than there's, there's, there's more to it than you'd think there's, but it also has, there's a certain level of like low finest that you have to keep to it. So you can't go too pro on it, but it's, so it's kind of fun. Like I'm, I'm enjoying learning the process, right, learning in order how, to get the most response, you're right. Saying. Get the, to attract the right audience and make sure mm-hmm. that you're not off putting, you know, making it too, look, you can't make it too professional. Cause then they're like, I don't want to do this, but you don't want to make it so weird and 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 lo-fi that it doesn't make sense so there's this weird balance so we've done we've we've gone through the recordings for one 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 minute video for about six hours total so far and the next one will take like 20 minutes but we want to make you know trying to figure out oh, the is, that, is that the learning curve the next that's one will be 20 curve. minutes six hours that, to 20 minutes <laughs> yes that's about the learning curve it's it's like snowboarding if you've ever gone snowboarding the first day you go snowboarding, and I skied for a long time before I did, mm-hmm. I was so mad. Like, for the first six hours, I was like, I can't do any of this. And then all of a sudden, I just got it. And the next thing, you know, the next day, we're, we're hitting the, we're hitting the, the black diamonds. And uh, the, the learning curve is just high. 
I mean, that's an alternate universe to me snowboarding, you know, but I'm Jewish. And oh. it doesn't, it doesn't, I know some Jews that are good snowboarders. I, this is how I feel. At this age, if you're going snowboarding, you're a schmuck. I mean, you know what? And then like, oh, what happened to Adam? He's in the hospital. He popped his whole knee out. It's like, well, why is he snowboarding at 50 years old? Yeah. You know, like, dude, you know, it's a young man's sport. See, look, what do you got? Pins? You scar? can't see it yeah. so well, but you can, there's I a scar it. that runs right, groove. right down like this, right? Yeah. It looks like I tried to, it looks like I was not feeling real happy that day and, uh, and tried to take right. my, that, that is breaking my arm. It like both of these snowboarding. bones, both of these bones snowboarding and not even like snowboarding. Like I slipped on some ice next to the lift. Um, but I was in that, I was, it's not funny, but it's kind of funny. It is really funny. Um, <laughs> and I was in the French Alps at the time. So I was snowboarding in the French Alps. Um, I did this and this was the last day of a, a, a sales team building thing for a company I used to work for. I ended up getting, um, toboggan down the mountain, down one of the, you know, down the Alps and then putting, a, um, putting Wait, in, was uh, the snowboarding part of the, you know, uh, building, you know, the, oh, the, whatever it is, the building exercises. Did you have to go snowboarding? I just wanted to go. It was no, okay. we, we, got to go we, we were up there for like a, a sales meeting. And then, um, mm -hmm. I, I was snowboarding. A lot of people were skiing and I, I've snowboarded since I was 10 years old. Um, and, uh, sorry, probably closer to like 14, 15. Uh, but, uh, but all yeah, that time, you never had an accident snowboarding? No, I, I, not, not like that. Never where I broke anything. I've, heard, I've run my shoulder into an ice wall a few times. And how and long that, were you laid up for with that thing? Oh, uh, well, I, had, I was in a French hospital for two weeks because they had to repair it. And then they wouldn't let me out because you have to pay to get out of the <laughs> Basically, oh, they would like jail. The there, it's like yeah. the Keynesian times. Yeah, until I paid my bill because I'm not French. Dead and so they get it off for free. Do you know how much my two-week stay in a hospital in the French Alps was? Can I, what, should I guess an American? Guess in America. All right. Uh, two weeks stay in yep. France, right? Socialist. Yep. I'm going to go with uh, $3,500. 5000 5000 total. Out the door. Right. That was my entire bill for the whole thing. And how was that the care? That was with care. That was surgery. That was no. food. That was stay. How Everything. was the care? Um, I had to get the thing re-sewn up. I was, I was in a weird, like, provincial hospital on the border of Switzerland and uh, France. Uh, I was, nobody spoke English in the whole place. Um, and I had one of those. Do you ever see... Um, a, a ghost dog, way yes. of the samurai. Remember how um, uh, ghost dog has oh, these conversations, like a random French dude, and mm -hmm. they, they don't understand each other, but they keep talking to each other, and they kind of make yeah. sense. I had one of those roommates where he just kept talking to me while blood was coming out of his catheter, and uh, but I didn't understand any of the words he was saying, but I, he kept talking to me with a smile, so I just I just laughed and and nodded my head a lot and said, "Were you alone in this Swiss provincial French hospital that yes. they didn't speak English in?" Yes, and all the you people think that were a lot of English people fucking uh, you know, there's my first one. Uh, uh, you know, rolling over and breaking bones uh, showing up there. No Americans in Fran in the in the French Alps. In the Swiss Alps, yeah, there's plenty, but there was one British girl and the re that I met, you know, there's some English speaking and English speaking French people from uh, nobody at the hospital. Um, but, but, and all the people that I went with were either from the United States or from Paris. So everybody went back to Paris. So I didn't talk mm -hmm. to anybody for most of that time. And even when phone calls came in and even when people called speaking English, they didn't know where to give it to. And it's like, I'm the only person that speaks English in the yeah, whole place. Figure even that out. Not for me. Just send it my way. I'll help you. I got you. Right. I got you right. on the English today. I can figure it out. <laughs> I, I have to say, so, so the, the bulletin point here is snowboarding will always end you up in a hospital and at a certain age you have to stop that's right <laughs> that's, age. that's what i think or i have no no empathy for you a, a certain you age slash weight um i don't know if you've seen this speaking of um I, I i caught this on tmz i one of my guilty pleasures is looking at the, the answer TMZ. is no i haven't seen it tony hawk's x-rays from his last wreck on his hands. So there's, I'll, I'll look him up, but you don't really want to look this up right now because I don't want to, I don't want to put it on there because it kicks me out every time. It's just the x-ray, but his fingers and where his, they, they should connect to his hands, totally separate places. It's awful. But wait, this wait, just what happened. was his last wreck? No, like two weeks ago. But what happened? Do you know? I don't know. I'll, I'll bring it up, but the, all I saw was the x-rays and I was like, mm, this is enough. I'm, I'm done with this. Yeah, doesn't he have enough money? You see, yes, he he you can't stop. It's not about money. He loves he loves skateboarding. It's love skateboarding. Can't stop. It's not. It becomes yeah. not about money. And and by the way, it never really was. The money was a, a byproduct. He was going to do this, no matter what. Exactly. It's, exactly. Yeah. It's it's. Oh wow. Okay. So let's let's Tony Hawk. I mean, the fact that it's. I'm not surprised. I would expect it to be. You know, to look like something out of a map. 
Yeah, it, it looked like something out of like, yeah. hey, like this a cartographer like, drew it. Like when you disembody, like if you were to draw Cuba, like, yeah, if you were to say like, this is what a hand looks like and this is what fingers look like. Now place them wherever you want on the screen. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah and create a game <laughs> this of risk. One's like here, this one's like here. It's like a very yeah. Picasso version of what a hand could be. I'm going to move my troops into your uh, <laughs> yeah. bicordial, I don't know what the words are. Yeah, I'm not, I'm yeah not game of risk. There's like yeah, two, big long, two big long islands there. <laughs> By the way, well, you can take it. Okay, before wait. Before we get into any content stuff, you want to, should we introduce Al Allison? Because oh, is, I that, just, is Allison here? Yeah, Allison's ready. Oh, that's, ready yeah, yeah, let's do that. Let's do that because I'm dying to talk about um, her newest documentary. Uh, I, I want to get her on. So, so let's start. So our next guest, this is great, I'm excited, uh, has a wonderful two-part documentary out on epics right now called Laurel Canyon, which we are going to discuss in depth. She's got a documentary, I believe it's on Showtime, called The Go-Go's. She directed another one called Spring Broke, which I loved. What a cast of characters. If you haven't seen that, go. I think it's on Netflix. You can watch it. Um, I think I bought it, though. Uh, American Jihad. Uh, she's an Emmy Award winning director, and she's a producer and an editor. Ladies and gentlemen, Allison Elwood. Oh, I love that. Hey, can you guys hear me okay? Ah, I hear you great. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Excellent. Very, very nice to uh, virtually meet you, and thanks for being here. Yes, you as well. All the hand, the hand talk, smashed hands. Ugh. Oh, yeah, that's fun stuff, right? <laughs> yeah. Almost all my stories involve something of me getting smashed. <laughs> yeah, that's a real, that's a real truth he just told us. Um, <laughs> Allison, first of all, I'm a fan of your work, and Thank congratulations you. on everything with Royal Canyon. The response has been amazing. I just watched it again, both parts. Uh, I, I want to get into this, like you know, because it's most current. But I kind of want to back up for a bit because you've been doing this a long time, and you work with Alex Gibney, uh, yeah. you know, who's you know one of the greats, yeah. and Jigsaw is one of the best companies putting out documentaries in the world. Yes. So how does this how does this happen? Because, you know, you work on Enron, you know, smartest, uh, you know, guys in the room. And you have this long history of getting involved. But you did the Eagles right in 2013. Amazing. Yeah. Thank and you. and also you know, precedent setting, because, you know, every documentary that followed, it's kind of building off that foundation that you were engrossed in. So when you started the Eagles and you did it, if you could start us from there, because I feel like that was where Laurel Canyon started. And this was maybe part two. Well, funny, uh, oddly enough, Laurel Canyon started for me years ago when I was living in Los Angeles 20-something years ago, and I wanted to make a film about the Doors. I'm a huge Doors mm -hmm. fan, and I discovered all the Laurel Canyon connections and said, oh, wow, that would be an amazing film to make. But back then, the music rights were owned by so many d different people that it was just impossible to... To, to make that happen. So when it came back around, and especially when it came back around to me through Jigsaw, I was like, oh my God, this is perfect. <laughs> so um, it started a okay. long time ago for me. Um, and then yeah. Eagles, the connection with the Eagles, which was great for Laurel Canyon, was with Henry Diltz, because he was in the Eagles film, and we interviewed him. And when we interviewed him in his location, which is quite special, if you've never been there, you should go there. I it's amazing. It's yeah, amazing. You literally, there's a path you can walk through, and there's stuff everywhere. Oh, and I was I noticing all the, you know, Joni Mitchell files, the, you know, CSN files, everything in these little slide boxes that he had. So the minute this came back around, I called Henry. It was the first call I made and said, would you be willing to work on this? And he was like, I'm in, totally in. So between Henry and Nareet Wild, we had a plethora of amazing photographs from people that not just took the photographs, but lived the life with these with these people and could tell stories and were a part of it. Yeah, well, it, it was incredible. So, so let us let us talk about I, what I'd like to talk about first is um, the scene itself. Yeah, you know uh, the counterculture. You know, we had you know the Joan Didion of it all. The the writing. I mean, the music. I hate to sound like this guy, and I'm quoting my friend Brett, but the music was better then. I I, I hate <laughs> it. Really was so. What was happening in that scene? Because I'm seeing a lot of parallels right now. So, so what were you getting? Let's just talk about where that was at that time. Well, I mean, the birds were there. I mean, Zappa was there first. Right. And, you know, he was doing his own thing, which was very different from what everybody else was doing. Um, and then the birds came out there, and they had a hit with Tambourine Man. And then all these people are listening on the radio and hearing about this scene in L.A. and living in New York. 
And there was also an exodus from the Brill building for all these people that were hmm. had been writing for other people suddenly said, well, why don't I write for myself? And so the whole singer-songwriter thing came up. So these people started coming out. And, you know, at first there was Zappa and then the birds and then just floods of people started coming. It was cheap to live there. It was right up above the clubs, so you could easily get uh, up and down. Right. Um, and, it, you know, it's above the smog line in Los Angeles, so it felt like you were in the country. still does, actually, um, except but, there's a lot of traffic there now. But there is also what I, and what I love about I'm obsessed with the entire era. Um, what I love about it, for me, is the camaraderie. There was a support yeah. system. We don't see it now with artists and artistry. We don't see a building of a colony of people going, oh, what are you writing? What are you? And you really got into that. We're in such a similar time right now. Why are we not seeing the same reciprocation? What do you think the difference was in the scene back then till now? Well, there was an innocence, I think. Um, certainly mm -hmm. about the business end. I mean, most of these these folks weren't that savvy in the business end to start. They became savvier as, as things progressed and as they made more money. Um, you know, I mean, I do th these things pop up in places. I mean, you know, the, the Go-Go's film I did, I mean, that was a punk scene yeah. that popped up in Los Angeles. The grunge scene in Seattle, obviously London. And New York has so many scenes popping up, it's sort of too big to make it that little pocket. Mm -hmm. um, it was a very magical time and place that drew artists together, and it was a time of sharing, and it was a time of exploration of self and everything. I mean, it was a very different time than we're living now. It was about the art. Um, the art was more important than becoming successful at it. Yeah, well, that is that is the biggest difference I, I see. But what I don't see, I see very, very, very eerie parallels in, you know, the, the civil liberties issues that are going on and the, you know, the war going on in the Middle East and people, you know, protesting. This is very, very similar stuff, yet we're not seeing the same, you know, you, you in your documentary, David Crosby's talking and he, um, I think it was David Crosby, it was Graham Nash, and he said he had to go write the song as soon as, they, Neil Young, right? Tell me, I'm, yeah. I'm lost. Neil Young. Right, right when he heard about Kent State. Ohio, yeah, Neil Young. Yeah, and and to me, I'm not seeing that right now. And I'm that was all that happened back then. Responding to very similar stuff. Well, you know what I'm seeing now, which is really interesting, is a lot of these songs are being revisited during this era of COVID, and people are singing. You know, when you have those multiple screens of zooms of a hundred yes. people mm -hmm. singing, and there was a beautiful um, Nash song that was done in Italy of all places. And it was stunning. It's like people are rediscovering the power of music to unite us and to bring us together and what is common about us. And that to me is very inspiring now. I'm seeing that and feeling that in a big way. Um, so, you know, I, I don't, I, I feel more hopeful now than I felt in a long time. I think that the Black Lives Matter movement has become ex extraordinary. I mean, today I was in tears watching the, um, you know, that they charged the two um, police officers in Atlanta and mm -hmm. finally maybe there's some change. And there was all of that going on back then. You're absolutely yes. right. The Vietnam War was raging. The civil rights movement was, you know, all sorts of problems still there. And, you know, we've come a long way in some ways, but we're kind of still stuck in the same yes. thing. Yeah. I, OK, so yeah. let's let's move to th this idea of. Instead of the scene now, I kind of want to know, this is a feat at three plus hours. What, what was left out? What, what did oh, my gosh. Thing? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> well, there's a lot that, that got left out. Um, but, you know, always better to leave them wanting more, right? <laughs> well, yeah. But what, what was left out that you're forlorn about? I mean, I wish we could have gotten Carol King and James Taylor in um, because, uh, and we tried. We tried. And there were, there were quite a few archival interviews done with them. Um, but neither of them ever spoke about Laurel Canyon specifically in the archival interviews. And they're, you know, sort of notoriously not too keen on doing interviews, which I respect. Um, we didn't get Laurel, uh, Joni or Neil um, mm -hmm. to do a, an interview with virtually everyone else we did. Um, but there was so much um, archival material of them where they did speak about Laurel Canyon and the whole scene there. So we were able to incorporate them. So I guess, you know, to me, not being able to include Carol and James was a shame. But um, 
Well, you know, I mean, but watching how Mama Cass helped build the scene and, yeah. you know, how Michelle Phillips and then move away to Bel Air. So you really do develop this dichotomy within it. So so what did you want to get but couldn't? Uh, I mean, other than those four interviews, basically. That's it? That's it. You got everything. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's one of the reasons it's so good. All right. So, so but again, I, I am still, it's a lot of work and a lot of choices, right, at three yeah. hours. What did yeah. it originally come in at? Um, we, well, we were originally, um, supposed to be two one hour episodes and we came in at about one fifteen on each of them. And thankfully we had the wonderful support of epics that said immediately, why don't you guys make it a little bit longer? Um, which was amazing. You never hear that. <laughs> I was just gonna... <laughs> Ever. When the hell do you hear that? And they gave us more money to pay for the music rights and the footage to make it a little bit longer, which they've been incredibly supportive. Well, listen, I mean, tell me if you disagree, but I, I personally think Epix is doing some of the best, yes. if not the best shows on TV. Very hot now. Everything. Penny, uh, what is it? Penny, yeah. uh, uh, I can't think yeah. of the name, but I watched every episode. And yeah. Perpetual Grace all day. And, and do you guys have a deal? Does Jigsaw have a deal over there? Or are you going to be, you know, just well, giving us more output? No deal that I'm aware of, but we're all in in communication with Epix. We ha- it was a great um, experience with them and we're all talking to them about other stuff going forward. So hopefully we'll have some more stuff. That is, that is really, really exciting. Okay. So, so what's next for you? Have you been thinking about something? I mean, these are huge endeavors. Yeah. I mean, there's a bunch (laughs) of stuff in development. I mean, obviously COVID has put a damper on a lot of things going into production immediately. Mm -hmm. Um, I have some things in development, but, um, nothing, Immediately. You want to share with us right now? All right, I'm very I can't, curious. I, yeah, I know, yeah. I get it, I get it. That's why I'm cutting you off, but I'm very curious. By the way, I really like the uh, the Quiet Comfort Twos, the old school ones. Those are, I have those too. They're very nice. <laughs> yeah. I like that. All right, so we can't talk about the future stuff, right? So, so let's talk a little about the Go Go's, which I love. Sure. All right. So, how do you jump into that? Like, again, it seems on brand, but what what brings you into that world and Belinda Carlisle and everybody? Because, again, fascinated. Well, I mean, I always, I mean, first of all, I loved music. I loved lots of different kinds of music. I, so many kinds of music moved me. And I was always a Go-Go's fan. I loved their music. Um, and they approached me to make the film and um, took a little bit of convincing to, you know, get the trust going. We, we had a bunch of meetings and a bunch of calls. And we finally bonded over our love of animals and animal rescue. And they're finally like, okay, let's go. Let's do it. And they agreed to be honest, which is always the thing you got to do with these artists. And it's a huge leap of faith that they take. But it's also a leap of faith that, that we take as filmmakers, too. Because, you know, if they lie, people are going to know. Mm, yeah, <laughs> it's going to come out in the wash. It's gonna, yeah, it'll just feel like bullshit. And I don't want to do that. And so I always say, you be honest with me, I'll tell an honest story. Well, that's really interesting what you just brought up because you got to get these releases signed before you start filming. This is a huge investment of time and money, right? Yeah. So you you really are, you're saying to them, we're going to be able to put out whatever we want ultimately once you sign this, right? Well, I mean, you know, we always give the artists a say. They can they can look at stuff and, you know, they don't have final cut because you can't give them final cut. You'd never get anything done. <laughs> Wouldn't come um, ever. And Bo- Belinda and I always joke about that because she's like, I want Final Cut. Nope. Yeah, nope. <laughs> <Not gonna happen. laughs> it won't get done. It wouldn't get done. I um, listen. You preach <laughs> Yeah. So it's a mutual trust. And, you know, I thankfully yeah. I've had enough of them under my belt now that people go, okay, I trust what you're doing. And so it, you know, and it, it's, it's been great. And all the artists in the Laurel Canyon project, and we've been hearing yeah. from people. That have seen it. We just got an email from John Boylan saying how much Linda Ronstadt loved it yesterday. And I was just like, oh, yay. <laughs> oh, and I watched her documentary too, yeah. which is fantastic. Wonderful. And the way you weaved everything in, I mean, and I had no idea, I have to tell you, that how, how instrumental, no pun intended, Joni Mitchell yes. was yeah. in all of this. Yes. I mean, aside from her brilliance, how many of the songs were redone? It's really just, just. I'm sorry. It was really, I'm blown away by it. So thank you for doing it. Um, what do you think about the Emmy noms? Oh, well, you know, not the noms, but what's happening with it? Like, you know, Kimmel being the host, are they going to do it live? Like, do you even care? Because I think this could easily be nominated. Easily. Well, you know what? It would be, it would be an honor if it, if it was. I, 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 don't, I don't do things for, for awards. 
I won an award like the first time out, and since then I just I don't care. <laughs> That's all right. It'll just happen anyway. But yeah, I mean, you we'll know, you think they're going to do it? You think they're going to do it live or no? No way, right? I they're just no going to have a home version. No idea. No idea. I, I think. Fascinating. I think we're not. <laughs> we're we're not even out of the first wave, and people are stop talking about the second wave. I agree with you. Yeah, it's pretty crazy, right? Well, yeah. listen, I can't thank you enough for being on here thank today you and, so and much. coming, Jason. Do you have anything? I know you wanted to ask Allison something, but where'd Jason go? See, sometimes we lose. Oh, I'm here. I'm here. I'm always here. Always there, Allison. <laughs> No, I, I, I've just always had a crush on Belinda Carlisle, like, since I was a kid, and I'm just very jealous. Me too. Oh, my. She's a wonderful, wonderful person. Very shy. Oh, yeah. I met her in the 80s, in, like, yeah. 87 at Vertigo. Yeah, the original <laughs> Vertigo. I did. I did. She was very nice. The great thing about the Go-Go's, they are all, they're five of the smartest, funniest women I've ever met in my life. If like, you haven't seen this documentary, watch this. Anyone who's listening, watch this documentary. Even if you don't like the Go-Go's, you're going to end up buying an album after the documentary. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Allison, for being Thank here. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Thank congratulations you on everything. Thank you so much. Thanks Thank for having you. me. Bye-bye. Allison Bye. Elwood. Thank you. You see, oh, and that's the thing, Jason. Oh, wait. What do you got? Allison Elwood. Okay. Really, I mean that about the Go-Go's thing. The, everyone's going to watch the Laura Canyon thing, but the Go-Go's thing. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, you haven't seen it, right? Watch it. No, I haven't seen it. I'm going to go. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to watch. I'm very excited. So It's free. It's free. So do we want to, do we want to, like, get it? Because I don't know if you watched the new episode of the uh, Dirty John. I haven't yet. I was going to plan on doing that for tomorrow. That'd I want to give you, there's two things I wanted to make sure we talk about today. <laughs> the first is uh, Cornemic. Hmm. Let's do that. Want to just do that first right now? Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. All right. So do you have that uh, the link? Can we bring it up or we'll put it on that thing? So he's a dear friend of mine, uh, Corn Nemec. Uh, some people might know him as Corky Nemec. And he was the star of uh, that show Parker Lewis Can't Lose, which, you know, I loved. And this guy is just a prince. He's an amazing human being. When I had, uh, when I was on the balls of my ass and had nothing, this guy was like, you know, famous. He had a Dumbo Drop, Operation Dumbo Drop in the theaters. And, uh, you know, he's like feeding me and I'm at his home and like treating me like I'm famous. I, this is a real, you know, hasn't changed a bit. Now he has lost his house to COVID, which is effed up. And he's not alone. This is a, not a corn, but this is a, a universal problem. But, you know, I happen to be friends with Corey. Corn. Uh, I can't call him Corky anymore. I don't think he likes it. So... <laughs> Uh, that's why I was like, Corn, Cor, Corey. No, I can't say Corky. All right. Uh, you know, it affects me a little. So he is now, he's lost his home, so he's packed all his stuff. And what he's decided to do, he's got a GoFundMe, and he's doing this Love America tour, and he's getting a, um, a mobile, uh, what is it, like a Winnebago? Yeah. Right? And uh, this is what I want to do myself when I retire, but he's doing it now. And uh, Jason, why don't you talk? Did you read it? Did you, did you take a look at it? Yeah, what yeah. So it, it's great. Do you want me to play this video? Yeah, yeah, would you do that? That's actually really cool. My name is Corin. I think that some of you have followed my um, YouTube a little bit. Is an echo? A little bit about me. I have a, a very open mind, and I have a very... Uh, I, like, I like to call it an academic way of looking at... Um, news, history, and current events. Uh, that said, as, uh, as those of you who have followed me on here a little bit, or, or who support me on here, I guess you could say, I hate the term follower. I think it's so lame. That said, um, you know that I've uh, been railing against this whole uh, COVID-1984 scenario since the uh, very beginning. And uh, unfortunately for me, I was only able to... Um, uh, in the last uh, five years, especially, my uh, my finances had been taking a big hit, which is natural. But um, over the last five years, really, I was I was just barely able to even stay a month ahead here and there. And um, I've taken it upon myself since 1998 to live fiscally responsible. I mean, I've never had a credit card since 1998, and um, and uh, also I have uh, only bought that which I can afford. 
And uh, and the house that I live in now, I had bought outright in cash uh, a number of years ago, and that's where I put my money, and I bought my car in cash and everything else. So not having any debt whatsoever made my credit score shit. So when I was trying to draw money out of my house to get through this time period, uh, I was unable to do that because um, a couple of years back, when I was in a little bit of a tight scenario, I was turned down again because all I had was equity, no debt. Makes sense? So I had to go and get a, um, a home repair loan at 17. What happened there? We, uh... I just okay. put a little pause on it just because... Um, it's, oh, it's not. It's long. It's 14 minutes, but I, I want to... Oh, yeah, we can't play the whole thing. Yeah, I just wanted to get a little bit of that out there. And, you know, he's had gone through a lot of stuff. And so on the opposite side of this, and I can mm -hmm. bring this up still. I love that. Yeah, please. That's great. Is, um, you know, so he's, he's had some, he has had some big troubles. And he's trying to, you know, really turn this into something. So basically what he's going to do is he's going to go um, discover America. So he's going to, he's getting in a, you know, in a, in a Winnebago uh, which I'm interested, by the way, which I'm interested in right now, going right now, post-pandemic, everything going on in the world, what the country is like. Uh, go on. Yeah, so Here's he's going to go. Basically, here, I'll read it. Um, uh, this great opportunity to discover America from the inside out. And uh, I and two filmmakers will be taking a camper van from Houston over to the East Coast and back across to California. Um, where he has friends and family, where he can interview people from his past, as well as those people he's met on Twitter. And he's going to have flash pub parties, and he's going to be journeying to local bars, and just trying to tell stories of America, you know, from post-COVID, um, and, you know, just really kind of share stories of unity and how people kind of come together for this stuff. It's a really beautiful thing. It's, it's I, I, you know, playing the beginning of this, um, you know, it's sad, you know, what's happened, and, and it, you, you know, you can kind of see what's happened, but... You know, at this, and on the on the flip side, this is a great way, I think, for somebody to um, make a shift. Yeah, he is uh, making you know flipping it completely positive. He's he's and he's been by the way, he's been nothing but positive. It's 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 not like he's like gloom and doom and woe is me. And he gave his house to his uh, ex so his kid could be in a good uh, school zone. Mm -hmm. And this way, he didn't lose it, right? So you give it to the ex, it's he doesn't lose the house, thank God. So at least someone has it. Yeah. But he is not like. This is not like, oh, please help me or pity me. He's like, this is what I want to do. I came up with a really good idea. Um, and by the way, you know, once famous, always a threat. Right. Absolutely. It's, it's like, this guy's going to be a star again. Trust me. There's zero doubt. And there, he's a great actor. And there's he's a funny point, as hell. If you really think about it, I mean, and I know this is totally different, but Robert Downey Jr. pre-Iron Man was a mess. Like, they, you know. He fell right, asleep what? in a kid's bed that wasn't his own home. Yeah. He wandered into a home. He's like, this is my house. And like yeah. slept in a kid's bed. Again, I'm probably, allegedly. I, it was something bad like that, though. Yeah, and I mean, he was, yeah. he went through a lot of stuff. And then through the power of Win Chun and a little bit of sobriety, uh, he scored and a, a good woman. Know, and a good woman. He, you know, yeah. he the, you could have counted him out right there. You know, and now. He was now, done. He yeah, was done. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can tell you, and this is a fact. This is not alleged. We had a party at, at our house. Remember I told you I had a kid living in my closet. Mm -hmm. At some yeah. point, at that house, uh, Brent Bolthouse threw a party for us. Him and Jen, his mm -hmm. partner Jen, loved us. She was she was very good. It was one of the reasons I'm here, by the way, and uh, uh, the support. And they threw a party at our house. It was a beautiful house, uh, South Laurel Avenue. But he showed up, and this was the exact time frame you're talking about. And he ended up in my master bedroom, in Nate's closet, smoking, you know, freebasing. Mm -hmm. I think it was just crack. I, yeah, I, I'm being nice by saying freebasing. Yeah. <laughs> Either way, I mean. And I actually, I saw that. So it's like, that was the end. Yeah. And now here he is. Sorry, now I cut you off. Drink, Nancy. Go on. Oh, no. I was just thinking that, you know, if I was going to freebase anywhere, probably a closet wouldn't be a place. It just feels like an enclosed space for fire. I, no, no, no. Like, that's where you want to be. You don't want to <laughs> be anywhere where someone, you want your back to the wall. Fair. No one can get in. You're like, I want to know why. And no one, why would anyone be coming in the closet? Yeah. Someone's <laughs> coming in here. There's a problem. You can't hotbox crack, though. Is all I was thinking. Like, it's not one of those ones where just get the crack in the air and you can get all the crack, you know, like extra crack, secondhand crack smoke. Let me tell you something. Crack and cocaine and freebasing, the only thing it ever made me do is want immediately more crack, more crack. or that's, cocaine or freebase. That's, that's, that's about all I ever felt. Yeah, all, I never felt good. The only urge I ever got from cocaine was the urge to do more cocaine. Yeah, it's uh, like, oh, I got to get more. Yeah. there was talk to people like, that I never wanted to talk to in my yeah, life. Yeah, yeah. 
like I, I made so many plans. Like we're gonna do this. We're gonna. Do oh, we, you know how many patents I was supposed to get and 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 trademarks. Like we're doing this right. This is not. We're not kidding around, right? Why have we not done this before? Yeah, let's get out there right now. Eighty-seven was the last time I was in Pick Fair. That's funny. You know that mansion. Jerry Buss owned it. Oh. I don't, where is, no, I have no idea. I, I yeah, Mary Pickford and Douglas Fairbanks had a mansion together when they were married in the 20s, I think, called Pickfair. And uh, then Jerry Buss, the owner, passed of the Lakers, rest his soul, uh, he would have parties there. Every, it was 87. Mm-hmm. Uh, 80, yeah, 87, pre-AIDS, basically, you know, for most people, right. I think. Yeah. You know, it was right on the cusp. It wasn't like, you know, it was much more free love. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was this club, Vertigo, Friday and Saturday nights. It would be the hottest club in the country, but it was only Friday and Saturday nights. It was downtown L.A. at this place, Myron's Ballroom. This place afterwards, Jerry Buss would throw a party at Pickfair. He bought Pickfair, this estate, and he would, every Friday and Saturday night, if you were lucky enough, and because we ran the club, we were lucky enough, get mm-hmm. invited. I was 19 years old, and one night I did an eight ball. And if you do cocaine, you know what an eight ball is, but if you yeah. don't, it's three and a half grams of cocaine. Yeah. Or an eighth of a, an ounce of cocaine. Yeah. You can go that way. Yeah, three and a half gram. That's why they call it an eight ball. Math. Oh yeah, I I did math a lot of math. Bitches. I was a I was a math head when I was a, in, my, in my early twenties. A math head, yeah. I was a math, math head. Just one letter. Um, so, what was I? What was the reason I was saying? That? Oh, you're just talking oh, about. Yeah, so I did it off the top of the pinball. Jerry Buss had a game room downstairs. Uh, mm-hmm. so there were pinball machines, and and I I did all by myself an eight ball. And the fact that I didn't die. I made a deal with God. I'm like, listen, and not those deals when you're drunk and you're hanging over the toilet bowl vomiting, like, I'll never drink again. I'm talking about the real, you know, the real one with God. I'm like, listen, if you don't let my heart beat out of my chest and Len bias me, I promise you, I will never do this fucking drug again. There's my second one. I will never do this drug again. And he didn't kill me or he, she didn't kill me. And made a throw. I did acid that night. Well, I had to come down somehow. Jesus, you can't. You can't. Does that even bring you down? Because I feel like that'll that'll just pump you up another notch or two. Like get the heart pumping even a different You're way. You're assuming I'm making good decisions. <laughs> I just did an eight ball of of cocaine by myself in, mm. in Pickfair. I know. And by the way, I ended up on the back of my buddy's motorcycle doing like 90 miles an hour on the 101 going downtown and watching all the lights fly by. And I'm like, oh, this is L.A. This is the weirdest thing. I guess I'm going to be here forever. And right. you know, I, I I am. You kind of are. You just I, I, okay. you took right, so the motorcycle to, uh, to La La Land. We finally have a little time. Like, yeah. I just looked at the watch, and I was like, oh, we can do some talking. Yeah. We can do some uh, content. Um, okay, was there any point I was making here? No. No, we are just talking about drugs. Oh, yeah, but I could keep doing that. <laughs> I mean, um, so many well, drugs. All right. So, we, so real quick, before we get too far off, if you have the opportunity to... Um, to donate to Corin, I think this is a really interesting cause. He's going to be doing some really cool filming, and um, I think that this is definitely worth worth considering. We're going to try and do some stuff with him too here, see if we can't get out, find a way to um, get him to uh, give us some stories from the road um, in yeah, one way or another. Yeah. yeah, I love this. All right, great, and yeah, thanks, Jason, for that, and and uh, yeah, what he said. So uh, I can't really say it any better. Awesome. So we got content to go. Do you want to finish? Your, you, um, the first thing I want to offer you every day from today until the end of time is, would you like to um, rant about any aspect of the King of Don't Staten Island? Don't get today? me started. Hold so on. how did you feel about um, so, how, they dealt, how, how they dealt with him, like with the children? Like, I thought that was cute the way he dealt with the children, but would you let your kids like, if you were a good dad, like Bill Burr is a great character, but as Bill Burr, would you let this fucking kid around your well, kid? Bill Burr's character would, yeah, because they're all, what, what they had to create was a, um, a uh, tapestry of complete and utter uh, morally bankrupt losers that tattooing a line on an 11-year-old boy in the park seems like not pedo or, you know, something, again, another felony. This right. guy committed. So we opened the movie. That's okay. So I thought about this last night too because I was saying Judd Apatow is from Long Island. You got me started. Don't get me started. <laughs> Judd Apatow is from Long Island. This guy is from Long Island. Like, 
Don't make a movie that takes place in Staten Island where it's the most loyal, thick accent you could possibly have, and then some people have the accent, some people don't. That is BS. I am already out of the film, right? Bill Burr, again, the only one nailing it. Because he's got that Boston accent, he can, like, wiggle it around. And it sounds just like Tottenville. He's fine. Same with Leary, Dennis Leary. The Boston guys, they're like... Yeah. Uh, Londoners, they can do the uh, whatever accent they want. Yeah, they can do their Cockney, they can do their whatever. Yeah, these Boston guys, I'm telling you, they was like the, the Boston Australians and the English, the, the Commonwealths. Just, no one else can get a job. Nancy, just want to let you know, I don't mean to interrupt because I really want to hear this rant, but she says when you get riled up, your accent gets so thick. And I, I agree. See, that's what I don't notice. I had my buddy uh, over last night from junior high, my friend Stephen, and uh, <laughs> I guess, you know, all of a sudden now the accent probably comes out even more because uh, we were talking all night. All right. Make the accent consistent. You're, you're making a movie about, and here's the other thing I was thinking about. And again, I said it was no fault of, um, I feel like I'm getting text, like, please stop. Um, it was no fault of Pete Davidson's per se, right? I said that when I opened this yesterday. I said, he is a talented guy. You know, what he's done is, is amazing. And what he's done in life is amazing. I have no qualms with Pete Davidson per se. Whether you like him or you don't, you think he's funny. He's a talented, talented individual. Um, okay. Your dad rest his soul, died in 9-11. Thank you for your service. Write that in the movie. Yeah, I agree. Don't write that he was a hero in some hotel fire that nobody knows about. Right. Write that if this is your, you know, biography, or, you know, I, you wrote it, so autobiography. I completely don't agree. Don't shy away. Lean in. Do you Lean into that. Do why they didn't? Like, no. why all the things? None. You know, even if they made something, you know, even if it was fictional, something bigger, grander. I mean, it, it's such a, These not just not a big impact on what happened, but it, it feels like you've lost something because it is such a national thing. So there's people, there's people all over the world grieving and you have a second layer of grief on top of it. Seems like a more interesting yes. choice. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and I understand in my instinct, in my gut is, is saying, you know, uh, oh, I hear the, uh, you know, the people going, oh, everyone, 9-11's, you know, so used. So it's like, it's 9-11. Right. It's like, you can't use it enough. You yeah. know, I mean, God rest everyone's soul. You cannot use that enough. It was the only domestic, like, except for the Oklahoma. I mean, you know, it was the largest domestic terrorism ever. Mm -hmm. I, I digress. The point is, if that actually happen i'm so sorry use it okay yeah. so right there it's a it's a it's an epic fail because now i've lost a connectivity to my main character i talked yesterday about opening up this movie again you did not open it up an alternate universe right in a quentin land you know all of this would be homogenized and marginalized by what quentin's rules of his universe are right there's there's none of that here because you're saying it's a real movie it's a real thing. This is a, you know, verite. We're using Herzog-type non-actors even. Because is Pete Davidson an actor? I, I don't know yet. He's a stand-up, and he's mm -hmm. an improv guy, and he's funny. Yep. Are those all his real tattoos? I think a lot, a lot of those tattoos are real. Right. Got a lot so this is all a big... Like, this happened to this guy. This guy is, is traumatized and scarred. Like, why are you not leaning into that? Again, now you have, again, I, I still can't get past the fact that Maud Apatow, wonderful, nothing bad about the, the girl. Can't talk about another guy's daughter in a bad way. What I'm saying is, as an actor, what are her credits, dude? Look up her credits for me, because I don't know why she has a single card billing and Pamela Adlin has a shared card. She's been in most of Apatow's movies, so she has a role in Knocked Up, Funny People, This Is 40, um, King of Staten Island. So that's a big place for a lot of them. Then she's been, she was in Euphoria. I don't know where. Um, and then a, a bunch of movies none of us have, you might have seen, but I definitely have. The 40 film, Other People, The House of Tomorrow. Is she leads in these? No, not of these. Right. So she hasn't, the only leads she's built are none. And she's done it. Again, all great. And I'm not saying don't help your kid. What I'm mm -hmm. saying is, don't give your kids single card billing and give Pamela Adlin, who has done... If you look at Pamela Adlin's credits, I mean, can you even fit it on one page? Oh, no. And you know I, I had a problem with the writing on season four of this Better Things. It still doesn't take away from the incredible artist that no, she you're is. Ta you're talking, you know, everything from Better Things and King of the Hill. Fit it. Lucky Louie and, you know, Louie, Facts of Life, Star Trek. You know, all the way back to, you know, you're seeing uh, the Red Fox show, Boston Legal... You know, monk. She's been in so much stuff. So, so much. 
You have no, there's no excuse for this. I don't care what the reason is. You can reject my hypothesis if you wish, uh, you know, to quote Quentin. Uh, what, what is Rick saying? This is appointment viewing. Ah, Rick, I love it. And I hope you're enjoying your martini. He says, even better with a perfect martini. So yeah. if you make a perfect martini, please feel free to make one for us. You know, it's even better, better with four mediocre martinis, you know? <laughs> Listen, it, it gets the job done. Though, though you right. know, I want to taste his now. All right, so... This is again. I, I I don't want to get too hung up on this, but I'm a little I'm a little bothered by it. You know, uh, Pamela Adlin not having single car billing, and again, she's got as many scenes as Maude Apatow, and even if she's got one or two less, <clears throat> I mean, I hope she got paid more. Okay. <laughs> that being said, again, Pamela Adlin not doing a Staten Island accent, but she's got that kind of like you know, even though she's from Beverly Hills, she's got that East Coasty you know eh, 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 vibe. So all right. Not four, three. Okay, three, four, whatever. I'm already drunk and passed out in the men's room. So. No, I agree with you. And, and Pamela, but Pamela's done a lot of these kind of East Coast characters, even though she's Beverly Hills. Like yeah. all the stuff on Louie, all that stuff. I I assume just because she's got that, she's got New York snark kind of in the, mm -hmm. like in her acting blood in a way. So she knows how to do yes. it. And so like, I always kind of assumed she was from there. Yeah, well, even in talking with, you know, our long form with Johnny Silverman on the Cliff Dorfman show was, you know, talking a lot about Pamela and, you know, they have a very similar upbringing. I thought Johnny was from Long Island. So, you know, it's not a far stretch. But again, it's not a Staten Island accent. No. That she's doing. Okay. The tired storyline of, oh, you're being catfished. Dude, she's real. First of all, the fact that he gets kicked out, right, of his mom's house, which, mm -hmm. okay, I mean, you see that coming. But now we don't, we're not addressing his obvious bipolar or psychotic issues. He almost killed multiple people. Now he's tattooed a kid in a yep. park. Okay, yep. these, are, these are serious felonies. These are not things where it's Brad Pitt throwing, uh, and the only reason I'm comparing it is because it, what Judd Apatow is doing is trying to make a film, I mm -hmm. think. And in his mind, he made a film. Right. Y you haven't. Well, I mean, and he's done this well with other people, right? He did this really well with... Uh, you know, with, you know, Steve Carell, even though that was not a, oh, an audible version, you know, and he did it well with knocked up. He's, he's figured single star vehicles out, funny people. He's figured out, yes. you know, and I think train wreck, uh, with, uh, sorry, I forgot her name. Yeah. Oh, Amy Schumer, Amy Schumer felt mm -hmm. a little bit like it was closer to a semi autobiographical, but he, he's done these star type vehicles before to great success. I don't know what happened on this one. Um, well, again, and we can talk about great heat. Look, you can't be more successful than Judd Apatow. Okay, yeah. so that that's, you know, and this is not, I, I, I should only be as successful as Judd Apatow, which I am not. Let me just say this because this is not coming from a bitter place at all. Like, this guy has succeeded beyond any level of succession that mm -hmm. you can imagine in this business. And he's a kid from Long Island who hung around the comedy club. Yeah, and he's and, super great, and he's so nice, and he's been, you know, he's been a part of the Starburns family for a long time. He's been on lots of our shows, including Harmontown a bunch of times. I, I love the guy. I hear nothing but amazing things about this person as a human being. So I want to say this uh, unequivocally. Uh, Judd, I am not talking about you as a person, and I apologize if any of this comes across that way, or your daughter. Beautiful people, I'm sure. We're talking about art. Mm -hmm. And when I'm talking about art, I take it very, very seriously. And you can't make a movie that has a guy who is definitely bipolar one, if not showing elements of psychosis. Yep. Right? I'm an armchair. Right. Uh, and, and I mean, I think it's even referenced at a certain point. He's got a, you know, they say ADD, but there's obviously a bipolar thing here going on. And it's, there, but there's no man. His eyes on the fucking, oh, oh, I said, I went over, Jason, please take over. <laughs> you had it up. You had I it. That is so, don't know me. <laughs> that is so messed up. You knew I was going to slip with this King of Staten Island. I knew it was coming. I knew as soon as I got you rolling on this. Up. Up. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm going to move right past that and stay on my train of thought because this is what I was thinking. Again, the accents, that's a problem. Now, you haven't addressed the psychosis. You haven't addressed the bipolar. He's almost killed a few people. He's grabbed a weird young kid at the park who ultimately that's a nice meet cute. You know, Marissa Tomei, I feel, is wasted. She's the only one really doing the accent, other than Pete Davidson and the other guys. Yeah. Well, then Marissa Tomei, you know, she's another one of those. She's got the New York accent going. She's, you yeah. know, she's mastered it for, since the, my cousin Vinny days. You know what I mean? Um, yes. And she's never you know bad. About, you, know, you know what's weird about Marissa Tomei in this particular movie? Yeah. The way they styled her, which is a good thing, it almost didn't look like Marissa Tomei. It looked like... Um, Agreed. 
you know, I, we we had some arguments around the house because it, it, she they managed to really make her look different, and so it was a really interesting kind of role. I was really impressed with her. Well, yeah, because if you see Marissa Tomei without whatever they did to her on that movie, she is smoking hot. She's in her 50s and like not slowing down a little like Sophia Loren gorgeous. And what happened was for me, it started to creep in. I'm like, oh, there she is. Like, yeah. because I felt like that was the only way. Because, come in, let's be honest. And I don't think Bill would be mad at this. You're not getting Marissa Tomei, dude. Not even as Bill <laughs> I, Burr. I you're agree. not getting Marissa Tomei. No, so she had to prosthetic it down a little bit. Otherwise, no one's buying this. They, that was prosthetics, right? Because she kinda, I have to think so, I'm guessing. Because she kind of, you know, because the way they made her look, it almost looked like a cross between her dress down and Linda Cardellini kind of dress down. So, like, we weren't sure if which. That's just how Linda Cardellini looks. Right. Yeah, yeah, right. That's so, not prosthetics. <laughs> but there was this, there was a like, kind of, I was like, when we first saw her, I was like, no, because Marissa Torme was in, uh, she's, she plays Aunt May in the new Spider-Man movies. Um, so we had, like, I, my daughter actually knew what she looked like, so we could have, like, a comparison. And we were like, we weren't sure. It was like, I, maybe it's Linda Cardellini. It's like, no, she doesn't look like that either. It was like kind of this weird, they're like, yeah. they they took some Linda Cardellini features and put them on Marissa Tomei and they ended I up with feel like she was a, a model uh, uh, bust in the uh, in the uh, prosthetics room. And also what I'll say about Marissa Tomei is she's kind of like the uh, female Gary Oldman. Like mm-hmm. you're like, oh, that's uh, oh, sh- oh, that's Marissa Tomei. <laughs> right. She's and she's amazing. I, again, I felt wasted in this in this Marissa. movie. Marissa Tomei can play Dracula in the next Bram Stoker. Let's see it. She could do anything. I have zero. And that's, again, that's where I feel like, you know, you have all these genius, you know, well, not all, but you have Marissa Tomei, right? You have, uh, who else was in there? Well, Bill Burr. I, again, I can't say anything bad about Bill Burr other than you're not getting Marissa Tomei. Um, <laughs> straight up. Other than that, right, straight up. And I'll tell you that in person. And there are a couple other people I think in there. By the that, way, Bill Burr would probably knock me out with one punch. Yeah. I've Steve seen Buscemi, that guy. You know, Steve Buscemi's, God is nice. Oh, yeah, right. Buscemi. He was great. Um, you know who's and the funny? the firefighters were great. All the firefighters were great. There's a, who's that? J- yep. Jimmy Tatro, the guy, uh, the, the, the youngest guy. The, what? Oh, the guy from uh, Tacoma. Yeah, the guy from Tacoma. Yeah, the guy from Tacoma and the guy, he's also in that, those uh, documentaries. Broken Lizard. The, who he drew the dicks, uh, the yeah. Netflix. <laughs> American Vandal? American Vandal. He's, yeah. The that's American what Caleb Murthy is in, too. Yeah, our, exactly. Our friend. Can we have Kalen back on the show? We do. I haven't spoken to him in a minute. Oh, I own the call. I'm going to. <laughs> you know what's really it. interesting to me about We're Pete Davidson? We're not done with you, King of Staten Island. Go ahead. Pete Davidson's movie choices for some reason is, uh, for some reason, every movie he's got, he's got like this, uh, he, he brings Machine Gun Kelly with him. Like. <laughs> Wait, was Machine Gun Kelly the tattoo artist? The tattoo artist. That's yes. who I thought it was. And, yep. and again, this is another Justin Long scenario. Uh, I feel like Machine Gun Kelly is being forced down our throats like a machine, like da 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 and I'm not into it, man. Like, I'm yeah. not. I saw you in Roadies, you know, on yeah. Showtime. Right. I've seen you in a bunch of stuff, and yeah. I saw you in your rap battle with Eminem. You didn't yeah. win. No. And I'm not really, again, is this guy an no, actor? It, it, he's no it, Justin Timberlake. It's really weird that he keeps getting put in these movies because the first time I ever heard of him, heard it, heard of him, or even saw him was that that uh, his rap song, the 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 shovel one that he was doing with uh, against Eminem, and then you know, on deaf ears, man. But uh, you know, this I saw Bird, the one movie that a, I because I didn't know him yet was Bird Box. I thought he did okay in Bird Box. So he was only in there for like fifteen minutes and he was nice and he got you know. But that's it. Okay, so I have to stop before I forget. The best actor in the entire movie is the guy who got shot in the stomach. What do you want me to say? You want me to say I, uh, I fell? Oh, yeah. I slipped. I got, I, I, oh. I, I, I baited a hook. Will you look up who that guy was? Ooh, can we find that guy to me is one of his guy wanders up to the fire station, uh, shot in the belly. He's like 300 pounds, most of it belly. He's all, he's a white dude and he's tatted up like an Aryan Brotherhood guy, but he's talking like the nicest guy in the world, like he could be your buddy. This was the best part of the whole movie to me. Oh, that was, was a, his scenes. That was a very, very funny scene. Um, I'll, you know, I'm gonna give a I'm gonna give a quick shout out just because he didn't do he his his role was kind of benign, but it was weird. Uh, yeah. Robert Smigel as the the pharmacist who starts shooting everybody because he thinks it's the same people who keep robbing him. Not again! Right, <laughs> and again, that is so over the top and weird. Now, I'm not saying that didn't happen to Pete Davidson, but you have two different movies. Like, pick your tone, man. Yeah, I did. I mean, that was the only that was one of the few parts in there where there was a joke and a like a an improv like the game, you know, where they say follow the game. It's like, all right, what's the game? These guys are in a 
these guys are in a pharmacy. They're trying to rob it. The guy's already <laughs> after them, and everybody has weird uh, ringtones. That's a very much an improv game, right? That, that, I would never have pegged that, but yes, thank you for pointing that out. That's genius. <laughs> and that's exactly what I think happened. I feel like they added that scene or something. And the pharmacist was great. Again, what, what movie is that? That's a different movie. Now, and, and the look out who didn't look out. Oh. And this is why I started talking about the catfish thing with his friend Igor, and oh. it ends up being a real. Go ahead. Oh, I just wanted. To, I'm sorry. We'll do the catfish. I like when you cut that, off. I, I knew that, that this is who it was, but I just forgot. Mm -hmm. That was Action Bronson. Who? Action Bronson, the rapper. Who was? The the guy who got stabbed. Oh, he's a rapper. Yeah, he's a rapper, and he's also he's got a show on um, Vice about getting high and making food and. Uh, I love that guy. That guy is one of the best actors I've seen. He was so natural. That guy is a star. Oh, yeah. I'm telling you right now, that guy's a star. Yeah. We're going to see a lot more of him. Action so Bronson. Okay, so before I forget this, right? He gets kicked out of his mom's house, right? And then we see him basically in a lift getting dropped off at the jail because he's trying to find a place to go to stay, right? But we don't know that. So he didn't announce, you know, okay, Judd, if you don't want to do your research, or maybe you never had anyone in jail that was your friend. But, you know, you can't just pop in. No. You know, and, and you got to be on a list, and it takes... First of all, it was armed robbery with three guns. He's only there for three to six months. I mean, maybe because he's white, I guess. I, I don't know. It's ridiculous. Also, here's a question for you. That's jail, not prison. He hasn't even been tried yet, right? Oh, yeah. Right. Long. So he's oh, just going to... You're absolutely right. They don't have those kind of meeting rooms in jail because you're just waiting. You're just in holding. Yeah, you could just meet with your lawyer or you're yeah. waiting in a bit. Yeah, no, 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 no. Right. So forget about that. But all right. So you don't. But maybe it's a, if he's in Staten Island. Right. I mean, you probably go to Rikers. Yeah. That's the feeder. It's like L.A. County is Rikers. OK, so that didn't look like Rikers to me. But maybe it was. But Rikers on Island. I mean, I don't know if you know, you haven't been there, but it's on an island. That's so, right. That's why they call it Rikers Island. Rikers Island. Right. So see that? You didn't think there was an island. The whole it's an island. <laughs> yeah, so Staten Island's right. So, so, so let me get to this point before I talk even longer. He shows up randomly, right? This is the thing. Like, he didn't know he was getting kicked out. He takes a lift to the jail. He just pops in to see his buddy. And at the same exact time that he's popping in to see his buddy, the other guy who is, first of all, they're all in the same jail together. But the other guy, that, that's possible. But the other guy is down, Igor is down three booths talking to the girl that was the catfish. Right. That is the most, like, where's the monkey with the accordion, man? <laughs> are, are, you, are, you, are you effing kidding me? Like, I, this is, this is amateur hour. What happened? Ah, oh, Beatrice, you two are great. Still listen when I'm home early. Ah, oh, Beatrice, thank you. Thank you, Beatrice. Yes, and this is what I'm saying is not okay. And I spent $20, and no one else in my house watched it except me. Mm -hmm. And this is why I spent 20 bucks, because now I have earned the right to this. 27 minutes. 27 minutes. Is that what we did? Yeah. No, it's only 17 minutes. It was only 17 extra it, it, it earned it. It earned yeah. 17 minutes. You know, if we, if we did this rant... These are good like points. Eight more times, I think that would equal the same length as uh, King of Staten Island. I think we, we, owe, it, we owe it to ourselves for at least six more 15-minute rants on this movie to get our $20 back. I don't know if it's... And by the way, we'll never get our time back. And, <laughs> and, and listen, I got to see Bill Burr. I thought he was great. Now I got that guy. What's his name? Action what? I'm going to listen to Action Bronson. Here. And this oh, is um, Rick, Rick Bronson back on the on the screen. It's called, um, and I'll say the word since you can't. Fuck, that's delicious with Action Bronson. It's a, <laughs> it's a show. They 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 go to different restaurants and and check shit out. See, this is what I'm saying. So that's where Judd Apatow. Now he introduced me to that guy. So thank you. You know, without a doubt. But this is not. I think the bigger issue here is that, you know, and I think we saw it with funny people to a degree, but it's more his forte. Because mm -hmm. you're still talking about the, uh, the complexities of a personality that goes behind being a famous funny person. That's mm -hmm. something he would know. I, I feel like this just went out of his depth. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think that it just, it just didn't hit the mark. I think that they just told the wrong story. I think they could have found a stronger story yes. in this. Um, like they I said. He had nowhere to go with the script. No, he really didn't. And this is, this is something I don't think we have time for today because we only got about a minute mm -hmm. left. But I would like I to talk with it. you about when we have some time is. Yeah. There is a dark side to this whole 
live being able to release non-theatrical on streaming like this and it is that they're still going to withhold the big movies that they know are going to hit but we're going to see some of the stuff there's been a lot of these kind of movies um that have come out that are just not they wouldn't we if we would saw them in the theater we'd be very angry um that are just kind of going straight to streaming and straight to vod um and i don't want to see that i don't want to you know I, I i like that they're out there but i'm concerned about that that it's becoming a feeder for that kind of like the the stuff the straight to video vod stuff yeah and and you're gonna think it's better because of it but it's not yes yeah it's not and and yes let's definitely take a little time to uh have a corner discussion on that because i agree with you i think there is a dark side to this and i think we're going to see you know the building of a brand that isn't necessarily what you're going to be paying you know what you think you're paying for yep i agree so we are at the end of our day tomorrow we're going to talk about next episode sorry in our next episode we're going to we're going to we're going to review we're going to talk about the next episode of dirty john uh betty bodrick story so be ready be be prepared and prepared it's a it's spoiler city. We're gonna have some fun, um, and uh, other than that, I'm gonna let you uh, play us off. Know. All right. Well, thank you all for being here on another episode of Stuck at Home, and please all stay safe, stay sane, stay strong. Jason Smith, Cliff Dorfman. Take care of each other, everyone. We love you. Love you. Have a great one. Bye, Jason. Podcast Network.